Season 2 of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35-plus years means they have the experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to data center. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. To learn more about Valcom's end-to-end -end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and to sign up for upcoming events, visit their website at vlcmtech.com. That's vlcmtech.com. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support. All right, welcome to Cyber 24 presented by Valcom. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter. By the time you're listening to this podcast, the 2018 election will be just a few weeks away, unless you're a little late to the game, maybe it'll be just a few days away. Voters in Utah, though, will have ballots in hand in just a couple of days, ready to be filled out and mailed back, as 27 of the 29 counties in our state are going to use vote by mail. Casting a ballot for a candidate of your choice is among the most American things we do. And increasingly, it has been the subject of more intense discussion based primarily on the idea that foreign states have attempted and will attempt to disrupt our election process. So with that ominous introduction today, I want to welcome our special guest, Mark Mitchell, the Director of Elections Systems in the Utah Election Office. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Welcome back, I should say. You've been, <laughs> been in here once before. Silent uh, partner with si the LG. Silent partner when the <laughs> lieutenant governor was here to talk about this last year. But I think it's even more uh, on message this time around because people, off-year elections, not so much. Midterms, much more involved, especially it seems this time around. There seems to be sort of a different energy for this midterm election. Before we get into all of that, though, uh, give us... Give our listeners uh, some background as to what your role is as Director of Elections Systems in the Election Office. What does that mean? Great. Well, uh, you know, I've been in information technology for well over 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, I started uh, as a software engineer developing software applications. have done that for several different federal and state government entities as well as some private entities. I've worked for the state of Utah for over 20 years now. Uh, a little over five years of that, I was a development manager over the election systems for DTS. I worked directly for DTS and then went on for another two years uh, working for Mike Hussey as the IT director. Long time friend of the pod. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. He does a great job. Uh, worked for him as the IT director for the lieutenant governor's office. And then uh, in January of 2018, uh, we'll kind of probably talk about this a little bit as we get into the podcast, but 
because of all of the security-related things uh, revolving around elections, the lieutenant governor decided to make some changes with how we approach things and his staff, and he hired me and some other staff members to come on board to assist with IT-related things and cybersecurity-related things. So uh, my job is really to work really closely with our private vendors, state agency staff from like DTS and driver license and other players that have any kind of a stake in uh, elections, and then a, a host of uh, cybersecurity partners, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit as we go. Do you have to do a lot of work with the political parties because they they have a sort of a, a larger role, especially when it comes to primary elections? Do you, do you touch on them at all, or is that separate? My particular role is 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 more just dealing with the election systems uh-huh. and that, but our office obviously does yeah. deal a lot with political parties and assisting them and everything they do, setting up, getting ready for caucuses, getting their candidates yeah. ready. So yeah, that we're uh, all things elections. I, I'm thinking for listeners who their experience with voting is what what it is for most people, far different than what your experience is in, in helping pull off an election that they either. Uh, in the past have said, okay, it's election day, I need to go, and I vote, and I get my sticker, and I'm, I've am i participated, or I don't worry about going to vote, or now where so many counties are doing vote by mail, that ballot comes, it sits on the desk, and you realize, oh, i got to fill it out because it's got to go in the, in the mail today. What What is the role of poll workers, county clerks, state election? Just give us an idea of just how big this really gets, how, how, how involved the process is, how, how intricate the process is. You know, that is actually a very, very good question. And, and I got to start by saying that uh, I sympathize with the actual uh, average voter. I, I actually can remember the days when I thought an election happened once every four years. I, I really remember <laughs> those days. And then I realized, oh, wow, you know, it happens every two years. And then I got involved in elections and realized, oh, no, it happens every year. And then, uh, of course, I learned that with primary elections and other special elections, it can happen multiple times every mm-hmm. single year. So I, I, I've, uh, and then you add constitutional amendments and initiatives and all that kind of stuff. And then recently, SB 54 brought in the signature gathering. So there's something going on with elections almost year-round, yeah. every single year. It's exciting. So to, to answer your question directly, let me, let me break it down into kind of three levels. So the lieutenant governor is the chief election officer of the state of Utah. His, his role is to make sure that elections pull off, that they're secure, that uh, everything just happens as seamlessly and smoothly as possible. Which is always a funny one because you think, well, lieutenant governor, that's got to be an easy job, right? But anytime you're in a spot where someone's saying, or potentially saying, you had one job, <laughs> one job, and it didn't go right. So there's a lot of pressure when the, when you've got one job, you got to do that job right. Well, and I'm sure that the lieutenant governor wishes he only had one job. <laughs> he true. has a lot of duties in the state that people don't realize, but but he does such a fantastic job. And he's hired Justin Lee is is his director of elections for the state, and Justin is um, the one that kind of oversees everything under the direction of lieutenant governor. And so all of the staff we work with Justin, and aside from Justin, we have five staff members, including myself, that that work um, in an elections-related capacity. And our duties are, you know, we host and maintain the statewide voter registration database and the election management system. Um, there's just a ton of statutory election-related duties that we're constantly engaged in. We assist the counties in the use of our systems and help them with any questions that they may have about running the elections. Um, 
Uh, as the LG, though, recently shared with reporters, he said every election in Utah is a county election. So county clerks really have the primary responsibility for overseeing elections in Utah. And uh, they are where the rubber hit, hits the road, to say. So they and their staffs are engaged in that. Um, many of the large counties have enough staff that they can have some dedicated full-time to elections. Uh, a lot of the small counties, this is just another one of the duties that they have to, to take on their shoulders uh, when, when it comes. And so they're, they're doing DMV stuff, they're doing marriage license stuff, and they're doing elections. And it's, it's a lot to ask of them. But they do such a great job. And then the counties with their staff and even some hired folks, poll workers will come into the question that uh, a, a poll worker is, is basically hired and trained to assist at polling locations and vote centers. And uh, so they can help with things like line management, uh, voter verification and check-in, uh, ballot security. They make sure that people aren't taking a ballot and walking out with it, mm -hmm. that it, you know, they vote the ballot and they scan it through the machine and then they walk out and things like that. And they, they do a great job really for the, the training they get, the time they have to do it. So it's kind of those three levels, the state level, uh, the county, and then a lot of these temporary, if you will, people that come in to assist in the election process. And of course, poll workers, don't forget the most public job, sticker distribution. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> sticker distribution. Do you, how, how often do you hear it from people who vote by mail now that say, I just want my sticker? We do hear it from time to time, <laughs> and I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah, I want my sticker. Truth be told, when I left uh, the governor's office, I, I took, I, I was given, I didn't you know, just take, I was given um, sort of like a, I don't know, what was remaining, maybe a quarter of a roll of I voted stickers. So now when I send my ballot in, in the mail, sticker goes on my chest and I've, I've when I run out of them, I guess I'll have to make sure I have friends still in the election. Come steal some more. I mean, right. take some steal, more. Steal. Oh, borrow. Yeah, I don't want to steal. I paid taxes. Uh, somewhere I paid for them, right? Um, uh, what What are your uh, – I, I think that, that really helps people to think um, of the nature of it being super decentralized, yes. right? That there are, advantage, there are certainly security advantages in saying we hold elections and they are – you know, all that information is not in one treasure chest Absolutely. where someone could steal that and manipulate it or, or do that. Are there headaches involved with that? I don't want you to, you know, have to put anyone in a bad spot or shine a bad light on them. But the more variables you add, yes, the more complex it is for someone to manipulate it. But it's also more complex to actually run an election the more variables you add. And every time you add a person or a level – that's that's what you it got. is it's true uh, it, but but you know the the cost of security that there there's a, a price to be paid and decentralization mm -hmm. is one of those known safeguards um, but again going back to to our, our basic mantra that that elections are county elections then by nature it's going to be decentralized in Utah we don't have any single entity that runs all of the elections and so um, but but the, we work so well together in the state uh, with the elections people. Uh, we just love working with uh, the county elections professionals, and uh, I think we have a great rapport, and I, I'm amazed at how much uh, how much dedication there is to the election process among that group. They're, they're just, you know, thinking about it all the time. And so, yeah, there there is some pain points with, with decentralization, but uh, the safeguards, I think, are worth it. Yeah. More with Mark Mitchell from the Utah Elections Office after this quick break. You're listening to the Cyber 24 Podcast presented by Valcom. A data breach can have a devastating impact on a company's brand, reputation, profitability, and the downtime and loss of business continuity can be costly. 
Additionally, a breach can potentially cause a company to incur significant fines and penalties. At Valcom, ensuring the data security of your organization is their goal. Your organization, and in fact, every organization, has unique cybersecurity needs. And the reality is a one-size-fits-all cybersecurity solution simply does not work. At Valcom, they take a holistic approach to cybersecurity, keeping your organization's goals and objectives in mind. Their cybersecurity services include industry-leading expertise to design, implement, and support cybersecurity solutions that meet your unique needs. Learn more at vlcmtech.com cybersecurity and request a free cybersecurity assessment today. That's vlcmtech.com cybersecurity. $300 million. That's how much money the cyber breach at FedEx cost the company, all because they were not insured for cyber breach losses. So if you're a business owner of any size, you have to ask yourself, could my business survive a hit like that? I'm guessing the answer is no. The fact is, over half a million small to medium-sized businesses will close their doors as a result of a cyber event. So what should you do to protect your business? Talk to the cyber liability professionals at Hayes Companies. At Hayes Companies, policy placement is only one step in an overall risk management approach to manage your firm's cyber liability exposure. They design a program specifically for you customized to your business priorities. For more information, contact Dave Whitwer, 801-580-5501. That's 801-580-5501. Or visit HayesCompanies.com. That's H-A-Y-S Companies.com. Secuvant is a leading network security company specializing in creative, customized solutions that meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. They offer a wide range of services, everything from managed security and virtual CISO consulting to cyber risk advisory and data breach recovery assistance. No matter what your specific security requirements are or what your comfort level is with IT in general, Secuvant will map your cybersecurity program to the business areas that are relevant to you. Everything from brand and reputation to legal liability to intellectual property to business disruption, and so much more. For more information, call 1-855-SECUVANT or visit secuvant.com. That's S-E-C-U-V-A-N-T.com. All right, back on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. Uh, we're joined today by uh, Mark Mitchell, Director of Election Systems in the Utah Election Office, uh, talking about the decentralization and how that protects the voting process in our last segment. Uh, as we start off with our conversation again, Mark, what are your biggest concerns when it comes to the security of elections in our state? You know, that's actually a funny question. I was uh, uh, talking with Justin Lee, the, the state's director of elections, the other day, and you know, he reaffirmed our office's mindset that every concern is our biggest concern. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not overlooking anything. Um, uh, in his words, uh, you know, the guy in the basement in his pajamas with a PC is just as concerning to us as foreign actors are, and we're, we're really trying to stay as vigilant and as proactive as possible to stay ahead of this. And, you know, uh, and uh, every one of your podcasts deals with this kind of a thing, that hackers are never going to sleep, yeah. they're never going to relent, they're never yeah. going to give up. So we have to be equally vigilant. You mentioned the guy in the basement, and you mentioned the foreign bad actors, the mm -hmm. foreign state bad actors. Um, have, you, have we seen any evidence of 
external interference in our elections in Utah. Not necessarily success in those efforts, but you know, I, I guess for the, for the listeners who say, just how much are they trying to impact elections in our state? Are they going after? Carbon County? Are they going after? <laughs> are they really focused on, uh, you know, Camas, Utah, and and voting in Summit County? Sometimes you can kind of have a distance, like, oh, well, they attack the U.S., but do they attack counties here in Utah? So, have you seen any evidence of those attempts? And and what can you share with us about that? Well, I think the the answer would be yes. They they they'll attack anyone and everybody that has a vulnerability. But maybe a little bit bit of background. I know that those of your listeners who have have listened from the beginning would probably recall most of these statistics. But back in 2016 is when we learned of the 21 states that were specifically targeted by Russia. Uh, we're very very grateful that Utah was not one of those states, but. Uh, it was enough of a concern that in January of 2017, uh, the president declared the electrical si- system across the country as critical infrastructure. And you know, with that becomes numerous opportunities to engage in partnerships with with federal um, entities. Uh, and then, you know, as the dust was trying to settle from what that meant and get everything in place uh, early in 2018. The lieutenant governor engaged Justin Lee, the the director of elections, and Mike Hussey that we've talked about, as well as the director of public safety at the time to take all steps necessary to ensure that Utah's elections were secure. And uh, we've been working at it uh, day in and day out since then. So to answer your question directly, though, we, we have no evidence of external influence with Utah's elections or systems. That said, um, I, I think Mike mentioned this in, in a previous podcast when he was with you, Mike Hussey, that there have been times when the state has blocked over a billion attacks a day. Now, they, they do a, such a fantastic job of, of constantly being on the move and, and trying to manage that to where they get it into numbers that that they're more comfortable with. With Well, I guess zero would probably be the only <laughs> number, but, but uh, you know, shy of, of finding a way to make all the hackers quit. Um, they, they just have to deal with it. So um, they're, they're in the hundreds of millions to the billions, depending on the day and the time. And they do a fantastic job of keeping that. But in those, um, that's across statewide. That, that's not a specific industry or a specific application or a specific county. Though Those are just the things that they've noticed and been able to block. So, um, of course, any vulnerability is an open point into a network. And once somebody gets in, you know, they can weave their way throughout. And so it's a big concern to us and to, to DTS, of course, uh, who protects our, our systems. How does the election office determine the types of voting machines we use in those instances where there is sort of that in-person voting? And 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 is are we shifting sort of away from the emphasis on what those machines are to some extent because we're going – how does vote by mail change that? You know, we, we've had the system in place – to vote in person, and then we're voting more and more frequently by mail. Yeah. So I guess two questions. The first being, how do you determine the types of equipment that you use to either um, have people cast ballots and then to, what, the process to tabulate the, those votes? Um, and then how does vote by mail change change that calculation? You know, that that's really a good question. Back, back in the early 2000s, uh, you know, after – kind of some of the fiasco that happened back then, uh, the Help America Vote Act was created, and there was some federal money uh, put forth, and a couple of requirements that came out of that was that they wanted the states to have updated and upgraded voting equipment. They also wanted to 
ensure that states had statewide voter registration systems, not all of these disparate ones. And that's about the time that we, we started our approach to having what the system we really have today uh, as a centralized uh, statewide voter registration database. And what we've learned through that is while the counties really do run the elections and they have complete autonomy to choose whatever equipment they want to choose, we've learned that um, when we stick together, there really are economies of scale as well as it benefits us in training and security and in efficiency. So the state has often uh, gone out with RFP processes to help facilitate the purchasing of equipment. And, and, and just last year, we, we awarded a contract for voting equipment. And uh, over 20 of our counties have actually either begun uh, using that equipment or in the process of purchasing and with, with many of the other ones in line over the next few years to do that. So we're actually hoping that, that the day comes, you know, over the next few years where all of our counties are using the same equipment. It helps us. Uh, you know, have a single interface to and from those systems and helps with training. It helps when, you know, oftentimes a county will have a question and if they can call another county that's using the same system, they can get answers. And so, but if you had 29 different systems, then who do you call for help, yeah. you know? So, so uh, really we at the elections office at the state do not make those decisions. We just help facilitate that uh, through state purchasing contracts and uh, RFP processes. What is the process most counties use on, uh, in the instance of vote by mail? People fill out a paper ballot, send it back in. Uh, in my mind, I'm picturing like when you use, uh, and this will date me, and yeah, I, I think we're probably in the same boat here. The teachers used to send, you know, scantrons <laughs> yeah. through where they could tell how you had uh, filled out the test results and, and had the key to that. But uh, is it like that with the paper ballots? It, 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 to some extent, it seems like the vote by mail almost takes a lot of the tech out of it, but am I am I well, making yeah, a bad assumption there? You'd think so, but but uh, the truth of it is is that, that there's a ballot creation process yeah. where they actually design the ballot, uh, and each county has to have a different one because there's different county races or so on and so forth. And w when they do that, then it either goes out by mail or it gets voted in a polling location. And then yes, there are scanning machines that that will will scan those uh -huh. in and do tabulation and things uh -huh. like that. Is and it a scantron? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the name that the, oh, okay. our vendors use. We have a but it's of the same idea, right? It's it the is paper the same, same idea. Reason. <laughs> it's a miracle we don't have to vote with a number two pencil. That's right. Because <laughs> that used to be so critical to the Scantron. It's true. <laughs> well, and, and marking the ballot accurately does help. But yeah. boy, I'll tell you, it's amazing. The systems now, uh, the way they can pick up marks and the algorithms they use to, to be able to determine a pattern in somebody, an individual's marking preferences and stuff. So it's really neat. I, I, election equipment has come so far. It's amazing. It's fun to be part of it. So there's still a lot of technology involved in, in that it aspect is. of it. Uh, it seems like one of the um, a vulnerable point in the process could be counties, you know, people vote, counties take the votes, they, they tabulate those votes, but then they've got to sort of report that to the state. Am, am I correct? They report that to the state elections office, right. and then you guys are the ones who put those totals and uh, when everyone's sitting there refreshing the, the political nerds like me sit there and refresh and refresh and refresh to see exactly where we are as ballots are, or as, as uh, vote totals are being reported. Um, Right. Is that a vulnerable point right there? And what have you guys done you to know, make sure it, that, that that goes smoothly? There are a lot of you can do everything right in the county, right. but if the information they pass to the state is wrong, you know, you could get different reports that night than... Yeah, there are a lot of moving pieces in it and way, way too many to, to discuss in the time that we have a lot of. But 
the truth of it is, is the pieces where a, a voter is touching uh, are fully disconnected from the network. They they do not interface with the internet. Um, in fact, it, there's manual processes involved in getting, like for instance, votes themselves from one machine to another machine just to make sure that it's not. There's a couple of pieces of information that are shared with the state, uh, which are not really that critical. The first piece being, did individual, did Marty Carpenter vote? Yeah. Yes or no? That's yeah, it. He did. And, and we, don't, we don't know how you voted, of course. We just want yeah. to be able to say you have voted yes. so that if you want to slip from one polling location to the next, sure. they can say, well, you already yeah. voted, Marty. Yeah. yeah. The other piece of information that gets transmitted to us are aggregates of vote totals for candidates. So we have no idea. By that time, everything is separated. There's no way we could possibly know how an individual voter voted. But we get those aggregates up so that on election night, we can post those yeah. results and say, okay, here's how the race is looking. Because everybody expects two things from you. One, that my vote is completely confidential. Which it is. And also, at the end of the night, right as the polls close, I want to know who won. <laughs> Sometimes right? by so 7.59. You, you kind of, yeah, you get, you get polled in those two different – and a lot of times here, you know, we have races that aren't that close. Right. Which is not abnormal in a lot of places that – you know, some of them you can probably, and we do, the, the Associated sure. Press off, often is the one that makes that call and calls it early. Yep. Um, and those are generally not a surprise. But it, it is, it just strikes me as interesting that you guys sort of get pulled in two directions, you know. Mm -hmm. Don't mess up the security of it and the confidentiality of it and the <laughs> integrity of it. But also, I demand to know the results. <laughs> but hurry up while you have it. <laughs> the polls have been closed for three minutes. How can I not know if, especially with the candidate, they want to know if they won uh, right away. All right, one last question for you. What is the main message that you would share with the Utah voter concerned about the integrity of the election? What's the one message you would want to drive home to an individual who just has concerns about Russia interfering with the election or anyone messing with the integrity of our election? Oh, great question. I, I think my answer to that would be this. We share every concern about the integrity of the election. We really do. Uh, we're registered voters as well. Uh, I, I think I, I would assure the voters that between the lieutenant governor, his staff, the county elections professionals, and other state, federal, and par private partners even, that election security and success is our top priority. I, I would like you know to add to that just that we're very, very lucky and feel very fortunate. We've never had as many people engaged in this effort as we have right now, but we'll never relent in our effort to continually improve and secure our elections. If I could add just one thing to that, it's we still have an embarrassingly low number of people who actually do take the time to vote. So yeah. no matter which way you want to vote, go take part in this. The system, uh, we put a lot of effort into this, into the state uh, to, and in the counties to make sure this goes smoothly. Take the time. If the ballot comes in the mail, fill it out, put it back in the mail. If you've given one of those two counties that needs to go vote, go do it. Um, it's it's really something special to be well a part said. of. Uh, Mark Mitchell, Director of Election Systems in the Utah Election Office, has been our guest. This is the Cyber24 Podcast presented by Valcom. All right, as we wrap up today's show, we want to thank our presenting partners at Valcom. You can find them online at vlcmtech.com. We also want to thank our supporting partners, the University of Utah's Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute. That's where we recorded this show and where we do it each week. Our friends at Secuvant, not to mention our great partners at the Utah Department of Technology Services, the Utah Department of Public Safety, 
and the Utah Attorney General's Office. A reminder, you can find us online at cyber24.us or on Twitter at cyber24 underscore or on Facebook, just search cyber24. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. I'm Marty Carpenter.